Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I have a very serious topic, a real story, it's not just a topic, to talk with you about. I'm calling the show Mom and Kids Flee for Their Lives from Sex Traffickers. And in fact, um, as I speak, as you listen uh, to this show live, um, there are now one mother, uh, Melody Bannister, and her four children, whose names I'm not going to mention, um, who are currently in hiding, fleeing literally for their lives from tra- sex traffickers, from a father and a grandfather and the grandfather's friends, I guess the father's friends too, um, who were have been torturing um, sexually and physically and emotionally, of course, abusing the children. Now, to the extent that you may have heard about the Melody Bannister story in the media, you have been fed misinformation. This is not a, your average, everyday custody story. In fact, it's not a custody story at all. It is a story of a family of who is, are, who is running from sex traffickers, story of a mother who is trying to save her children's lives. And so it's not about custody, it's about corruption by sex traffickers. Now, my guests today are going to be, first, uh, Jill Jones-Soderman, who is the director of the Foundation for Child Victims of the Family Courts, And then in the next half hour, you're going to be hearing from attorney Sam McClure. He's a leading Alabama attorney, and he has been representing the Bannister family, I should say Melody Bannister and her children, amongst or against all odds. He has been working very hard, um, as has Jill in her capacity as well. So I would love to be able to say, and I have, of course, invited Melody mom to be on the show, but we figured out that it was not possible because um, there was too much danger in whatever telecommunications we used for her interview, uh, for her, her to join us live, to be able to be traced. And she is in grave danger because of the um, people who are trying to, to uh, bring her back and her children back into this situation of abuse and uh, particularly trying to not let it get out her story and their story about what has been happening because of the people that this will implicate. So since I have not been able to have her on the show herself live, um, I am going to read you some of her story. Uh, that she has posted on the Internet. But at the end of the show, I will give you uh, websites, links to websites where you can find some information about her, more detailed information. And, um, and you can decide for yourself. But clearly, I, oh, and I should say up front also, that um, as a forensic psychiatrist um, myself, with over 20 years of experience as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, uh, I have examined, I have evaluated, done a psychiatric evaluation, a forensic evaluation on Melody and the four children. So um, I am, um, uh, and I have written a report, and the reports have gone to the courts, and so on. So um, it, I, it is based upon that, my, my in-person knowledge and um, subsequent follow-up, but my direct knowledge, speaking with Melody and each of the four children that I bring you this show and this um, trying to, this narrative, this, uh, this information, I guess, um, to, so that you can 
so that you can yourself uh, know the truth of the story and not be misled by the information that has been coming from the sheriff's office. Um, Indeed, Melody did try to go the legal route, and this is what happened. So this is from Melody's um, WordPress blog, I guess you could say. So she wrote, Have you ever wondered what it feels like to be a wanted woman, a fugitive of the law, Many movies portray it as a glamorous, guns-blazing adventure, but in reality, it is quite different. I am one such fugitive. What with the warrant out for my arrest and all? My crimes? Believing my children when they disclosed a lifetime of ongoing abuse? Reporting to the Stafford, Virginia police. And then she went on to say, what does a mother do when she discovers that the most unimaginable nightmares have occurred repeatedly to her little ones at the hands of the men who should have been the most protective in their lives, their father, grandfather, pastor, church members, and neighbors. What does she do after the local justice system utterly fails them? She takes her children and runs for their lives. And indeed, that is what she has been doing since June of this year. Well, let me introduce my first guest, who also has had much time, spent much time, with uh, Melody and her children. And her name, as I said earlier, Jill Jones Soderman. She is the director of the Foundation for Child Victims of the Family Courts. So welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you so much, Dr. Lieberman. You were such a, a phenomenal uh, presence in, in this case, and without your really skilled, adept intervention and your cooperation with, with the foundation and working in lockstep with us, we, we could not have protected Melody and the children and brought them to the, to the quasi-safety um, that they have and, and the most important role, which is the, the disclosure and the discussion of the failure of the system to protect children who were physically, sexually, emotionally abused um, in, in, a, in the context of, of a marriage and the, 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 in the context of, of, of a parent um, basically trafficking their children. Um, let me also say I'm, I'm a, a psychoanalyst by, by training and many, many years of, of practice and a forensic uh, cl- clinician. Um, as the director of the Foundation for Child Victims of the Family Courts, Melody contacted me very shortly after she made the, the first inroads into her journey of, of leaving. Uh, and she was at a juncture where she uh, had left but didn't know what the next steps were. She came to the Foundation because our role with protective parents who are finding that their children are being subject to heinous, heinous abuse, uh, which Melody describes very fully in, in, her, in, in, her, uh, in her blog and in, on, her, on her website. The foundation, uh, we were retained by, by Melody, and we then uh, immediately began to, to assess the situation and created a legal psychiatric and action plan. Uh, in, in terms of, of their production. Uh, I was the one who, in fact, contacted um, the, the, the attorneys, arranged for the, the kinds of financial support that we would needed, and uh, mapped out the legal strategy. Our, our legal consultants and our forensic psychiatric consultants, uh, together as a team, we planned out um, the, the the next steps and the uh, each each segment of, of what needed to be done. Um, there was a, a, um, a adult assessment um, by Dr. Michael Stone of Melody, and uh, I I contacted you. I had uh, looked. I had I found your your CV and and the write ups about you, and just had a very good feeling about your 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 background and your training and your sense of understanding. When I actually got to speak to you on the, on the phone, it was, we were soulmates from there, there on in. Um, I completely 
uh, felt very comfortable having you um, take take the steps that we needed to plan out protecting uh, Melody and the children's confidentiality and, and safety. Um, it, it was an amazing um, exchange of, of services. You you had to fly in uh, to 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 the location where she was legally at, at at that point where you know there was no she wasn't uh hiding from the law at at that point so there was nothing illegal or or out of bounds in terms of what we were doing um but they were they were homeless they were homeless they were penniless they you know basically left with the clothes on their back and and some you know very uh minimal personal possessions um, they had their their dog and their cat with with them uh one of the Functions of, of the foundation is uh, is also rescuing um, pets, uh, dogs, cats, birds, burrows, horses, you name it. We rescue them uh, from situations where there's domestic violence, because often the abuser will will use um, the domestic animals to control the 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 subjects, and uh, that was part of the of the situation with these children as well. Um, there was no question that, that we would need to go for protection to the, the courts and the uh, local authorities. Uh, the foundation, on a global basis, deals with children who are being abused and their protective parents. Um, and you know, every everybody in their right mind thinks you know you have a problem. You go to the to the police. You go to the to a lawyer. And you expect to be heard, understood, and believed. That is not the case in, anymore. Um, what we are finding, Melody's case, dramatically uh, it, it exposes this: um, that the there is a false narrative uh, placed put out um, by the attorney for the for the predator. Um, and I am talking about a predator. I am talking about vicious, cruel, sadistic people, men and women. There are less women at this at this point because women have not had the financial wherewithal all to um, to to be head of household and, and you know manage finances in the way that men um, traditionally have. But that's going to change. Well, Jill, let me let me just let me just interrupt you for a minute because I want to mm-hmm. make something. There's an important point that you're alluding to, um, and that is I want people to know that when um, the children first started disclosing their abuse to Melody, the first thing that she did was um, find a safe time when she could bring the children to the police. Yes. And she did that. She didn't just, wait, let me just, let me just finish this. She, she didn't just take the children and run. <laughs> Right, um, right. She went to right. the police. She went to the local police. Let me, let me just finish, Jill. Um, she went to the local police, and the police called in that same day, that same, um, same time, they called in someone from Child Protective Services. In fact, the detective was J.G. Wright, and the yes. CPS woman was Jennifer Dudley. Now, yes. these two people um, examined, I won't even say examined, chatted with... Uh, Melody and the children for a very, very brief 15, 15 time. minutes. It was about, 15 minutes. Yes, it was, and, and it was somewhere like uh, even less. Um, and they are basing this whole thing that they're putting out to the media and the sheriff's uh, press release that, um, you know, explained all the things that Melody is now accused of a felony and other charges. And mm-hmm. they believed the father. They didn't go. They said that they were going to investigate the father and the grandfather, but clearly they did not do very much of an investigation. And then the police um, detective stopped taking Melody's calls. You know, when they first went away, it was to, they were supposed to go away for a vacation. And that's why they, they told about the abuse to the police. And then they went on this vacation, just Melody and the children. The father didn't want to go. Uh, just, it just so happened that he decided not to go. And um, she kept calling the police. So her plan wasn't to run away right from the get-go. Right. When the police and CPS weren't helping her. Now, that's a very important thing to bring out because there has been this press release that's gone all over from the sheriff's department asking people 
showing the pictures, the photos of Melody and the children, you know, obviously minor children, um, and telling people, asking people to call this number to report if you have seen them. Now, all this would do, if you have seen this or heard this or read this somewhere, all this would do, calling and saying if you see them, would be to bring Melody and her children back to her abusers. So it's really important to recognize. I know it's hard to believe. We don't want to believe the police or CPS won't help us in these kinds of circumstances. But the father and grandfather have influenced them to such a degree that this is what they are saying. Now, Jill, could you please um, tell people, because I didn't know the, the, some of the extent of this, um, and obviously you and I have, have put ourselves in danger with our work with them, um, yes. but it has been for a good, good, for a good cause. Yes. Tell yes. people about what some of the things are that have happened that you know that have happened to people who have gone against this cult that, has, that are the sex traffickers. Right. Well, let me, let me just back up for a second with regard to them. I did speak to Detective Wright um, and I, you are absolutely correct in terms of, of what you, you said. He, in fact, uh, said uh, that he felt that the children had vivid, vivid imaginations and that this was just ridiculous, and then contacted their father um, and, and uh, had a good laugh ab- about, um, you know, Melody uh, bringing the, the, the children um, into these situations. Uh, we, from my experience and my knowledge, and my having spoken to, to Dr. to uh, Detective Wright, um, believe that, that Detective Wright and some of his officers may be involved in the trafficking circumstances and may be uh, participants. And we find in many of these circumstances where the police are not taking constructive action, um, that they are part of the problem. And we have had cases that I am intimately and fully aware of in which uh, not only police have been involved in the local trafficking, but have been involved in shipping the children overseas. You know, they, they will fly out to, uh, to Greece or, or France or South America um, over you know, a, a two-day period and be passed around in hotels and that the police are their escorts and are, are part of the, of the trafficking. We also are aware that, that attorneys have been murdered uh, because of their role in attempting to, uh, to protect children. Um, I've had my own first-hand experience in, in terms of some very dangerous situations. So the false narrative that goes with when a, a parent, a protective parent, male or female, discloses and seeks assistance uh, to protecting children, the first thing that happens is that that parent is called an alienator, is, is coaching the children to, uh, to reject the, the parent that they're filing a complaint about, and the children are considered to be liars, liars. Uh, have imaginations, the children are discredited, and, the, and the, the protective parent is called either sick, crazy, um, you know, that their um, money, you know, they're looking for money, that there's, some, there's always this, this kind of false narrative driven by what appears as, as a paranoid process, but it's, it's really just a, a false uh, negative, a false narrative to throw people off, off, the, off the trail. And then there's the good old boys network of um, the cottage industry that has grown up creating a fabulously expensive um, role for, for attorneys, evaluators, psychiatrists, um, forensic psychiatrists, guardian ad litem, to take the role of the, of the perpetrator, who is usually a person of considerable wealth. And those people are paid off and they are paid to write um, ridiculous, outrageous, um, psychobabble nonsense that passes in the, in the courts for evaluations. Evaluations and experts in the courts 
have basically no standing. They are, um, those reports are considered hearsay. But because family court deals so much with um, discretion as opposed to law, that the wiggle room for false evaluations is, um, is, is given a lot of latitude and a lot of discretion to, in fact, transfer children into the hands of, of their abusers. And then when the children resist, there is a process that, is, that can only be described as mind control and co- coercion, where children are forced to, into the custody, the sole custody of their uh, abuser, isolated with the, with the abuser who has free reign over whatever they want to do, isolated from the pr- protective parent, who is then stripped of property, rights, and any connection to the child. And we are seeing a movement across the country of very wealthy perpetrators, whether they have wealth and power or power and wealth or whatever the connection is, we're seeing criminals taking possession of children and destroying them. So we're seeing a very high rate of suicide in younger and younger children. And now the, the, uh, the other industry that has, has picked up is something called reunification therapy, which is another form of heinous uh, supposed uh, therapeutic mind control. But it is, it, is not a, um, it, it is not an accepted practice. It is not uh, considered a, a valid psychiatric intervention. It's not uh, recognized by the DSM. And the public has to be very, very careful in, in terms of who they hire. You know, people come into these situations, they have absolutely no training, experience, or, or reason to have. Anybody who's well socialized and, and, you know, hasn't been horrendously abused or, or a criminal has no skill to deal with a kind of malevolence, malevolence and criminality. Uh, in these situations, and, and so just, this is and, yeah. This is what what the, I, I, what the foundation I, does, and this is why we yes. that's our experts. Yes, that's that's why you came into being because you started seeing more and more of these cases. Right. Um, right. First, we don't have that much time left, so could you tell people about how the shepherding movement plays into this particular case in regard to Melody and her care? Now, just before we leave that, I just want to say that the team of experts that we pulled together, which I, which I pulled together, were not only worked phenomenally well together and well-coordinated, but everybody was fiercely committed to protecting and supporting these, these children, worked in, in such close communication and so skillfully together that, um, that the case went extremely well and our our litigation process um, is, is moving well, and your, your next guest, uh, okay. Mr. McClure, is, is a terrific attorney and has been a wonderful part, part of this team and will be you know, taking over and, and moving forward. But the shepherding movement it's, it's, is one of the, of, of the uh, Christian, so-called, they are not Christian, they are evil, evil in, in, sheep's, in sheep's clothing. Um, they cover as a Christian organization. They are, they are not. They, they are, um, you know, provided coverage by spouting, you know, religious uh, tenets and, and behaving as if they're, they're a Christian organization. They use um, the words of Christianity to, um, to, to, to control and manipulate and make people feel guilty, people being women. Um, this is a misogynist group that feels that women should be barefoot and pregnant and pregnant consistently. You know, they're, they're like broodmares in, in this. Um, remain uneducated and um, docile and supported, supportive of men. So this is a movement that is basically breeding children for trafficking, a movement in which uh, men are, are completely in control, Women are often not educated um, or, or, or homeschooled in such a way that there's not a, a connection to a credentialed homeschooling program. 
um, I think homeschooling is marvelous in many, many ways and can it, you know, okay, provide excellent services. I'm concerned because we're running out of time, but I just want to okay. say one thing because this is the key thing that there was in, there it, it has come out in the news. You know, there was some said something that um, recent developments in the investigation have led investigators to believe that the family may be in danger. Now, that and that is in regard to the shepherding movement that the people are they, the sheriff has wanted has put this out there to try to convince people that the children are in danger because Melody doesn't have money, which she, she doesn't, but she, she's been managing to survive Melody so far. Melody is being supported. Now, there, are, there is funding for legal and psychiatric. When, when Melody was working with the foundation, money and, yes. okay, and but, support but, for the legal just, services came through us. But, oh, yes, okay. But I just want to make that point that they are twisting it around in the sheriff's press release that the reason why they are in danger is because they're making it seem like Melody is in this cult and, and that's why she's right. in danger and she doesn't have money and blah, right. blah, blah. This, really, this is a false is narrative. This is a it completely is, false narrative. Yes, because it is the shepherding movement that, in fact, is putting her life and the children's life in danger because they are trying to get to them uh, to prevent them from telling their story before... Right before a more benevolent kind of a protection can be arranged for them. Right. Well, we right. need to, uh, we're now at the, uh, at the time when we're going to be cut off in a minute. So I want to thank you. Again, my, my guest was Jill Jones-Sutterman. She's the director of the Foundation for Child Victims of the Family Courts. And um, she has had a lot of experience in this, and it is because of stories like Melody's that she, in fact, founded this foundation and uh, is trying to help other children, protect other children in similar kinds of situations. So thank you. She owes a real debt of gratitude to you, as do the children. So thank you very much. Well, thank My you pleasure. All for thank you, Dr. Now, Lieberman. You're very welcome. So now stay tuned. We're going to be having in the second half of the show... Sam McClure, a leading Alabama attorney who represents Melody and the children. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today not only about a serious case and a serious issue, but one that is really urgent. It's kind of a race against time. Who is going to find Melody Bannister and her children, her four children? The good guys or the bad guys? So you've been hearing a little bit about that. Today's show is called Mom and Kids Flee for Their Lives from Sex Traffickers. So as before I um, introduce my guest, the attorney who has been re- representing Melody and her children, uh, leading Alabama attorney Sam McClure. Um, let me just read to you. I, I had mentioned earlier in the show that although I would have loved Melody to be on here herself, it was too dangerous to have a technological connection so that people, the bad guys, could, pos- could try in any case to find her that way. So let me just read one more um, statement from her um, blog, her website, and I'll give you that link uh, before the end of the show. She wrote, why in the world would an upper middle class child in a picture perfect community complete with good schools, a social life, a backyard, in-ground pool, and even a friendly neighborhood ice cream truck concoct such a tale? What could possibly motivate them to whisper soul-crushing horrors to their mother on the back deck swing when they knew what it could cost them, their home, their friends, their beloved cousins, their bedrooms, and nearly all their worldly possessions. All this they would trade for a life on the run, hiding like frightened cottontails in the tall grass. Now, one thing, you know, this is so beautifully said, and, and besides thinking how beautifully said and how tragic the whole situation is, think also, you know, her, tr- her husband is trying to make her co- seem crazy. Does that seem like somebody that it comes from the mind of someone who is psychotic? I can answer that for you, and the answer is no. So now let me j- introduce Sam McClure, who has been her knight in shining armor. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you, Carol. Very gracious words of you. I'm, I'm happy to be on with you. So tell us, let's just take it from the beginning, what your involvement has been in the case. I know it's been incredibly valiant and incredibly frustrating. So tell us all about it. Yeah, so first of all, I mean, as an attorney, I'm probably exposed to a higher uh, magnitude or uh, occurrence of horrific things in the general population. Um, But I have to say that this particular case, has been one of those cases that has kept me up at night because of um, the, the 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 gross horrors that allegedly have been perpetrated against these kids. So this is a difficult case, even from somebody being inside uh, the legal profession, somebody who's um, in the business of trying to accomplish justice and shine light into the darkness. So let me just kind of say that prefacer. Um, I definitely wanted to come on and speak with you today, Carol. Um, your involvement has been so critical in this case. And I think there have been some false statements put out um, by the husband and uh, even the Stafford County Police Department that I think that needs to be corrected. Um, and so uh, just to give some context to uh, what we're dealing with here is that the, the, the sex trafficking industry in America is huge. It probably makes more money than illegal arms and illegal drugs all combined. And here's an interesting statistic just to narrow in on. Uh, Atlanta, I think, Atlanta, Georgia, which is a little bit closer to Virginia than uh, probably where you are physically, Carol, but Atlanta, Georgia, I think is considered the the sex trafficking capital of the United States. And the United States is one of the top three uh, sex trafficking countries in the world. Now, here's the interesting statistic that 85% of the, the perpetrators come from a place in Atlanta, it's called a, a, Above the Perimeter. It's where white, upper-middle-class families predominantly live. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. The scary thing in this case is that when Melody Bannister started becoming aware of and beyond uh, refute convinced of as a mom, a stay-at-home mom in an uh, upper-white-middle-class family, 
Her husband was or is a, an accountant at a prestigious firm, uh, picture-perfect, cookie-cutter suburban family, um, uh, highly educated. When she started becoming like this, in her mind, it started rising to the level of irrefutable evidence. She had to really grapple with, like, how could this happen uh, in my life? And this, doesn't ha- this happens to, like, people, you know, the, the perpetrators are, like, long hair and they haven't bathed in three years and they haven't shaved and they have dingy, you know, T-shirts on. And, um, but the reality is that this fits within uh, the bell curve of demographic of perpetrators, is that statistic I just shared with you in Atlanta. Um, so, so I think to the outsider, this is a uh, almost unbelievable. And so I think that was, that's what makes it scary. When the children, and Carol, you can speak to this a little bit more maybe, but when the children started coming forward with, Mom, this happened to us and this happened to us, it's stuff that was really graphic and horrific, um, I think. Uh, Melody talks about some of that in uh, some of her blog. I think it's Millstones of Justice. You can read some of that. Um, there's here one section that I want to read from uh, what Melody wrote to give people, uh, your listeners, a taste of what we're dealing with here. Um, let's see if I can quickly find it. Yeah, so this is on her part three, Sadism in a Red Barn. Red Barn, she writes, what kind of man enjoys tying a little girl down to the floor and beating her with a bullwhip as he says, you are fat, you are ugly, you are stupid, you are worthless, nobody will ever love you? What sort of human being over six feet tall, big and intimidating, will rape his kindergarten-aged granddaughter in the darkness of his barn loft, then hand her to his longtime friend to be raped anally? What grandfather in the world would host a circle of his friends in the top of his big red barn where his preschooler grandbaby is forced to give them all oral sex? What kind of man would slowly torture and slaughter a screaming baby animal in front of his gentle grandchild in the middle of the night, blood dripping from his knife, simply to instill a paralyzing terror into her heart? Well, I mean, that's just difficult to listen to, I'm sure, but, you know, what kind, I think any critical listener is thinking, okay, anybody can make up a story like that, but how can we prove that? And, and Carol, in, in your professional experience in your world, how, how do we prove that, that, the, that, that what these children have remembered is true? What's the best evidence available to us? Well, that's a good question. And I'm glad you read that because, yes, it is hard to listen to, but it does, you know, give listeners um, an idea of some of the depth. And that's just, you know, multiply that times a thousand because this abuse that we're talking about went on for years. Um, how do you know, how do I, what, what do I do as a forensic psychiatrist doing a forensic interview of, of children to know whether or not they're telling the truth or this is just their imagination? And it's really a, a lot of different things. It is how the telling unfolds um, their body language, their words, their um, asking them about it at different times to see whether they, their story is consistent, um, to see whether their emotions when they're telling the story are consistent to what they're saying. Um, do, are they, you know, I can say, you know, obviously I can't tell a lot of details about uh, my examinations of these particular children, but, um, you know, one thing is when... You can tell that if they are at first, if it's very painful to like crying and sobbing and and hesitant and um, you know things that the kids can't fake and wouldn't have a reason to fake. I mean, they're you know they're not getting anything out of this being on the run, leaving their beautiful home and their friends and all of that. Um, but y- you can. And then, of course, I, I take notes, and I um, and this whole thing was videotaped. You know, that's what you do in a forensic interview. And you can, um, and then I did follow up. Um, you can, you can just put these things together, and then you, you know, you have to test for when it's more than one child. You have to see whether could it be that one child influenced the other child. So, what kind of relationship do they have with each other? It's a whole. It's, it's a lot of different things. It's hard to, like, um, you know, explain it in concisely, but um, all of these different things that I've had experience with for years, 
um, that you just know how to recognize when it's the truth and when it's not. And there's no question right, like in my the, mind, uh, or else the, I the movie, Yeah, the movie comes to mind, Carol, the movie Keepers, about um, um, women were coming forward saying, we went to a, a Catholic school and these priests abused us, and it was they were remembering things that had happened. Um, and so that, that, that's kind of what I uh, analogize it to in this situation. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not proper to take, you know, this in the Keepers movie, that woman who's now 30 years old or whoever and remembering abuse from her teenage years. It's not, you don't take her to get a rape test, right? That's not how you prove this in a court of law. You prove it through a forensic interview with an expert, somebody like you saying, uh, I've been trained in this field. I, I've been trained to differentiate between conjured up memories and not conjured up. Are, are these people's stories shifting? Are, are right. the kids just having a period right. of imagination? Or is this a reliable memory, right? Right. And also, in terms of a, of, um, a rape kit, you know, um, those kinds of examinations, I mean, it, it sort of would depend upon a lot. Of, now it's been six months since they've been at home. So it's very, um, it's hard, even at the time, it's hard, you have to do these things much sooner to when the last attack was and the last rape was. Um, you know, it is possible. I mean, of course, as more time goes by, it gets harder to find something physical. But the memories and how the memories come out are, are proof enough. But why not tell us about what you did in terms of, um, you know, I met you, I flew down to Alabama. That's when I um, examined the family um, after well, I don't want to get into too many details, but that's when I was yeah. in Alabama with you, expecting to fully, um, having given you my report and expecting fully to testify, and what happened? Right, sure. And so, and this, this relates back to a couple of the statements that the Stafford County Sheriff Department put out that, you know, Melody is part of a cult, or, you know, even, I think even the husband said, like, uh, uh, you know, the courts of two jurisdictions have ordered her to return, and, and think, so, I mean, I think... Uh, I think what Melody has said in her statement, her allegations have been is that she came out of a cult, out of a cult called the shepherding movement uh, with ties to some nationally recognized people where uh, that I think has connections to some, some uh, this guy named Garner, who was, you know, basically uh, an, uh, an open door for child sex abuse, right, within a religious organization. Um, but uh, no, M- Melody came to Alabama to set up a personal residence and enroll her kids in school. Uh, had a supportive uh, community um, and, then, and and sought the protection from uh, the court in Alabama to protect her children from abuse, to give her an order stating, uh, this is typical, it's called a PFA, a protection from abuse, to give her and her children protection from uh, her, her husband and, and the other alleged perpetrators. Um, uh, and initially we got uh, an order protecting us, but um, once it came time, the day that you were there, uh, to have a full hearing, uh, unfortunately, the court didn't hear any evidence. Uh, I thought it was unusual. Uh, we are are appealing that decision, actually, uh, to the Alabama Court of Civil Appeals. Um, so there has not been a full and final determination uh, in Alabama about this, and I think that's important uh, to uh, to set the record straight uh, that um, this is still being litigated. Yes, and and you, it was your um, thinking, and fortunately um, that you thought ahead like this, um, to not have Melody and the children come to that hearing because of the, your concern that uh, she would be arrested right then. And in fact, you were right. If she had come, um, you you were ready to bring her there if there wasn't any danger. But if she had come from the beginning then um, she would have been arrested and sent back to Virginia uh, on these charges that um, the Virginia court um, ordered, where they ordered her back to the abusers. Yeah, I can't comment too much on that, but I, you know, I, I did make it known um, to the court that I could have, I could, you know, she could be there in five minutes. I think we were more concerned about uh, the alleged perpetrator, the husband and his alleged accomplices, like, snatching her like on her way into the courtroom um, because these are not people without power in the community. These are very powerful, very sophisticated people. Um, And uh, the the pattern of their abuse shows such a high level of sophistication that I think it's scary. I think it's important also to point out that 
uh, the Virginia court that has ordered the children to be returned to the husband, they have not heard both sides of the story. Uh, they haven't heard uh, the, the evidence, um, you know, so it hasn't been even fully litigated there. Uh, and so I think that's important to keep in mind. And, and right now, I think, you know, Melody Bannister, my client, what's going through her mind is we're, we're having to live like fugitives from justice. We're having to live like underground, fearing for our lives, because if, if we appear before the Stafford County, Virginia court, we have to submit to their jurisdiction, and they've already shown, without hearing any evidence whatsoever, that they think I'm mentally unstable. They think my children are mentally unstable. And the reality is, is that Melody has been uh, evaluated by three different experts on her mental health. You're one of them. Dr. Michael Stone's another one. Another one was a, a counselor she had for a couple of years. They've all said, totally sound mind, totally, you know, not, not losing one single marble. Um, and in my opinion, inc- incredibly resolute given the trauma that she's been through, uh, uh, really a testament to the human spirit to, to protect her children um, and do what needs to be done. Um, so anyway, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. You yes. I mean, Didn't you? Yeah. Well, yes. Um, I mean, I think I was very impressed by um, not just, you know, yes, that she hasn't lost a marble but, and under these circumstances especially, but that um, the way that she talks to the children, how careful she is to not put any ideas in their head and to not make stories, to ask them leading questions. You know, that's one of the things, like in a forensic interview, you have to be really careful not to ask any leading questions. Hey, how many times did your father uh, rape you or your grandfather or whatever? You don't ask questions like that. Um, and she has been, I mean, I, I've wondered where she got her knowledge like <laughs> psychiatric or psychological knowledge from because she's been so um, good. And I mean, I spent a whole day with all of them and she has been unfailingly good about the way that she talks to them and the way that she acts and so on, nurturing, but not in any way trying to add to their story or bring out a story, an an imaginative story. Um, Yes, you know, we saw, we both saw the father being interviewed on television, and uh, man, was that a setup. He has a Christmas tree in the background, he's looking at a photo album, he's cheerful, and one would, one would believe that he was the poor father who was, um, you know, who, who uh, the mother is telling all these lies, and the family has run away, and at Christmas, and all this. I mean, it is such an act. Yeah, you know, interesting, uh, the, the guy that did that interview, I can't remember the guy that did that interview, but he called me and um, wanted me to be on the show, and I couldn't at that time, but I said, would you like to talk to a couple of experts that have been involved in the case? Uh, and I think I mentioned you and maybe my, Michael Stone, Dr. Michael Stone, and I, he said, experts for what? I said, well, they can testify to Melody's you know, mental health, that she's not insane, she's not crazy, she's totally a sound mind, because that's obviously an issue here that she's just lost her marbles, right? Um, and shockingly, he, he didn't seem really very interested that that would contribute anything to the story. Huh, huh. Well, you know, no, it would go against the narrative of the, that the father and the sheriff are trying to uh, uh, spread through the media. Well, tell people right. one, thing, uh, one thing I'm concerned about. I want to make sure that I have time to give people, well, why don't I just do it now so then we know um, I do want to give out the change.org petition um, uh, so that you can, my listeners can um, go to that because there's a lot on that uh, site, a lot that explains things. And the petition is uh, change.org. If you, if you Google change.org and save the Bannister children, B-A-N-N-I-S-T-E-R, you will find the petition, which now has over 30,000 people who signed it. And also, if you go to uh, Melody's blog or website, whatever you want to call it, um, which is Millstones of Justice, M-I-L-L-S-T-O-N-E-S, Millstones, plural, of justice.wordpress.com. She, you know, we've been reading things to you from there. Um, She explains these things. In, beautiful, in a really beautiful and, and accurate kind of way. And she also um, gives telephone numbers 
for you to be able to call like the Virginia Attorney General's office, Mark Herring, and Alabama, the Alabama governor, Virginia governor, and so on, various people who you can call. And I, I really would appreciate it if you would all make these calls, sign the petition, um, and make these calls to these authorities to let them know that people are watching and they shouldn't just believe what this uh, local sheriff um, had to say. So um, do go on. Oh, oh, I wanted to ask you, Sam, one thing about how I know people will find it, some people will find it hard to believe the idea. What do you mean we shouldn't believe a sheriff or the local police? Well, why should we believe you? Why, you know, we're supposed to believe the local, <laughs> the local you know, uh, authorities. You I mean you're li- they're lying, or they could even be uh, complicit? How that doesn't make sense. Nobody wants to believe that. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Yeah, one of the things that the Stafford County Sheriff's Department said is that Melody abducted the children. Um, that's just not true. Um, uh, Melody is acting in the clearest conscience she can. When um, when the kids started coming forward with these stories, and then the best evidence available um, has been established a forensic report um, verifying the credibility of their story. So no, she's, she's protecting her children. Now we all want this uh, American, this great American doctrine of innocent until proven guilty uh, to, to hold up. We don't, you know, just based on, you know, a mom's blog out there in cyberspace for a man, an upstanding man in the community and his father and all their friends to be, you know, uh, to be strung up, tarred and feathered. We don't want that. But what we do want is uh, the right procedures to be taken place for, uh, uh, and, 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 and maybe there needs to be some more training. I mean, there's been some valiant groups by, uh, I think, your previous press, Jill Soderman, her organization. There's been some other valiant groups that are set up to help people like Melody. They've been involved. And so this isn't the only time that's ever happened in the country. It happens more times than we'd like to admit. And so, you know, I think what mm-hmm. we need is the proper procedures to be taking place. When kids come forward with credible incidences like this, we need better mechanisms in our local law enforcement and child protective services to to fully and fairly in, investigate. You know, uh, should should there have been a forensic interview by a, a psychiatrist done at the very moment they reported? Uh, should there have been? Yeah, should there have been a, a a search warrant issued to look for the computers and child pornography? I mean, the kids have come forward with uh, uh, memories of uh, that leads us to believe that there's been child that some of these instances have been filmed. You know, have we seized their phones and their computers, and we have we looked at it? You know, um, I don't know that those things have been done, and I think what we have here is a disaster. But we also have a mom who is incredibly courageous and willing to do whatever is necessary to protect her children. Well, thank you so much. And we also have a lawyer who's willing to go through all these frustrations that the court, all these blocks that the court is trying to put forth. But you're appealing these things, and there certainly is hope. And again, I really would like to direct my listeners to uh, to these two websites, the change, uh, change.org and to Melody's website to read more about the case and um, call these people who are listed on Melody's site. Well, thank you so much, Sam, not only for being on the show, but also, of course, for all the work that you've been doing for Melody and the kids. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 